This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Episode 212, all about mountain biking and how to get started, as well as the NICA Racing League. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Kurt Linville. Today, I am going to depart from the standard format a little bit. Today is going to be a fun mashup of mountain biking stuff. So one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to provide a bunch of mountain biking tips. So if you are a beginner or an intermediate mountain biker, listen in. You might learn something. I'm not going into the advanced stuff, frankly, because I myself may not even know the advanced, but this is going to be an awesome introduction to mountain biking, and we're going to have some live on-the-spot segments that came from today's NICA State Championships for the Colorado Mountain Biking Association, and we have some interviews from parents and students who participated in today's race. Today is going to be a fun mashup of all things mountain biking. Now, why is this different? If this is the first time that you have joined us on the Adventure Sports Podcast, then I want want to let you know, normally what we're doing is we're interviewing one guest about one topic, and it's not a mashup of all this stuff. But today is going to be a little different, so if you want to hear what the standard format is, listen to some previous episodes, or perhaps listen to some future episodes. But regardless, mountain biking is such a fun and healthy sport. And this summer, I've gotten into it even more than I have in the past. And I'm just really psyched to share with you guys how great mountain biking is today. Now, on a personal note, I want to tell you a little bit about what today was. I'm going to try to stay awake and energized for this. But I am putting together content from today for you for tomorrow. We got up this morning at 3.15 in the morning so that we could pile into the truck and drive two and a half hours west to Eagle, Colorado so that my son could participate in the state championship high school mountain biking race. Now it is about 7 o'clock at night, and I tell you what, I'm having a hard time keeping the toothpicks in my eyes to prop them open, but that's the way these days go sometimes, and it is a blast. So once we got to Eagle, we had to hurry and rush around and get all of our gear together because it was time for the pre-ride of the course. Now the course was a little over six miles long. And so the pre-ride is just one lap. It starts at 7 o'clock in the morning. And this time of the year in Colorado, it can be pretty cool. I saw temperatures this morning in the 20s. I think by the time we started riding, it was hovering right around freezing point. But we took off to do the six-mile course. Now, the uh, the freshmen generally do two laps. And then as you advance to higher grades and more competitive divisions of the league, like junior varsity and varsity, then the number of laps increase. So you might go anywhere from, you know, 12 to 24 miles on one of these races. But the pre-ride was only one lap, so a little over six miles. Daniel, who was racing, he took off right away and I said, hey, go ride your own ride, buddy. I don't want to hold you up. And off he went to get a feel for the course. 
Luke and I, Luke, my youngest son, we decided to ride the course at a more leisurely pace. And boy, did we have a great time. It was such a cool course. Let me describe it to you just a little bit. Starts with a wide open area where people in the in the wave can jockey for position before hitting first, which is almost a twin track, and then be quickly becomes a single track trail. The trail meanders along the edges of these ad- giant adobe mounds, steep adobe hilltops, way up this beautiful irrigated valley with a drop back of the Holy Cross Wilderness Mountains. Just gorgeous, beautiful mountains. And the sun is coming up. The clouds are pink. I had to stop several times just to soak in the beauty of the whole thing. And so it goes for a long miles and miles around these winding and and swooping and dips and humps and things like that on the single track. Tons of fun. There was a vertical drop in one place. There were some rock bridges to cross and just a lot of rolling fun on this single track trail. Then after zigzagging in this valley for a while, the trail starts uphill in earnest for the big finale. And it's it's a steep climb, probably about a mile to two miles long, lots of switchbacks and uh, some technical stuff in there to be sure. There are places where you do not want to come off the trail or it's going to be a long tumble down a very steep bluff. But you know, you get through all of that to the very tippy top, and at this point, you're almost done with the lap of the course, but you drop down this amazing descent, and they have built this trail so beautifully. This descent is steep, it's fast, the switchbacks have three-foot berms, so you can just roll and whip around those corners, And man, it was such a thrill to watch these racers today coming down this downhill in the attack position, just giving it all they've got. And you can see on their faces this this struggle. Can I go faster? Can I be safe? Am I safe? Could I go faster? Is my skill good enough? My skill is good enough. And to watch how the different riders would attack this course, it was awesome. So we finished the pre-ride And it wasn't that many minutes longer. We caught up with Daniel, and he was getting ready for his first race. So I'm going to throw in some sounds from the race right now so you can get a feel for what it was like. The first voice that you're going to hear is Kate Rao. Kate is the executive director of the NICA High School Colorado Cycling League. And, wow, she has done an amazing job over the last eight, nine years of just building this thing from grassroots to what it is today, which you're going to hear is over 900 racers. Just awesome. So Kate is advising the racers on what their race is going to be like. Then we're going to have the countdown and the launch, and you can maybe hear the excitement of the fun that we had as the race began. Right on, here we are at the NICA Colorado State Championships for mountain bike racing high school racers. We've got girls, we've got guys, we've got freshmen through seniors, varsity, junior varsity, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of finalists today. It's going to be a great day. And you cannot block if someone's passing, okay? In um, extra credit, there's a 
Use that drop. Roll it. Because it's a flat landing. You'll have a taco wheel and you won't be able to finish your race. But be smart about it. Be safe. Be smart. And have a blast. Thank you. So we're at the call-ups now, staging, bringing everyone up to get ready to launch the freshman boys. Are you nervous? Yeah. Are you gonna have a great race? Yeah. Are you excited? Yeah. <laughs> have fun, man. And then the race begins. Enjoy. Have fun. Work hard. And they're off. Now, you have to admit, doesn't that sound like fun? It It is just a ton of fun. So, why mountain bike? You don't have to race the mountain bike, but hey, racing's a blast, right? But why mountain bike? So, if you've not done it, here's some reasons. It's tons of fun. I just said that, right? Well, it is a lot of fun. It's a very physical sport. It's outside, which means you're out in nature, but you get to go fast, you get to build skill, and the longer you ride, the more skill you build. It's not one of these things where you do it a little bit and get bored. You know, you you can continue to advance for years and years and years and years and years to come. And as you ride, your health benefits so much. Mountain biking is tough. I mean, any biking can be tough depending on how hard you push it. Mountain biking, there's a little less leeway for taking it easy. And the reason I say that is as you're going up these mountains, sometimes you're doing thousands of vertical feet on relatively steep trails. Man, you're pumping away. You try to find a cadence where you can keep your breath, where you don't have to stop and rest. And then here comes some feature, some element, some challenge. It could be uh, an erosion step in the trail or a pile of rocks you have to get through or a, a short little climb that's pretty bony. And holy cow, you have to get out of the saddle and do that sprint when you're already kind of at your peak. You get to the top of that and whoa, talk about interval training. But it is so much fun. And then there's the downhill. My son Caleb told me years ago, he says, Dad, it reminds me of skiing, downhill skiing, when you really get in the groove and you're going through those switchbacks and you're going over jumps, you're catching air and you have to stay right in the trail Man, you're focused, you're in the moment. It is so thrilling. It is a ton of fun. It really is a thrill. You know, another reason for mountain biking is community. Anytime, and I've said this many times on the show before, but anytime people get together who have a common interest, there's instant community. You have something to talk about, something to do together, something to laugh about. And it, mountain biking is a beautiful community. I love the people that mountain bike because they're strong. They appreciate nature. For some reason, I think the attitude of mountain bikers is generally just pretty darn positive. Great group of people. If you're going to be a mountain biker, then you have to take care of yourself. And I think that that 
means that people care in general when they're taking really good care of themselves. It's just a beautiful community of people. You know, another thing that's fun about mountain biking is the equipment. And I'm not going to go into a huge rundown of equipment right now, but suffice it to say, you have to have a mountain bike. If you want to try it for the first time, higher-end mountain bikes can be pretty pricey. You might want to try to find something used that's in decent shape and, uh, you know, see if you love the sport. Then you can always sell the used bike and, and upgrade as time goes on. But I would recommend this. A hardtail bike, that means a bike that doesn't have a rear shock, but probably does have a front shock. So you've got a shock in the front, it's hard in the back, you can get a much higher end, higher quality bike that is a hardtail for a lot less money. And the reason is because that rear shock is expensive. And you don't have to have the rear shock to get a wonderful experience out of mountain biking. Matter of fact, when you're doing tough hill climbs, the hardtail actually puts more energy into climbing the hill than the softtail. And the reason is because every time you compress the suspension on a softtail, some of that energy that compressed that suspension doesn't get delivered into turning the tire in the back. So you lose just a little bit of that efficiency with a softtail. So a hardtail can even be better for racing, for hill climbing, things like that. The softtail is nice, though, if you're on really chattery rough ground because it kind of acts as a shock absorber for your bum and your back, right? And the other thing that's nice about a softtail is on a crazy downhill when you're taking some big air and stuff and you get a nice cushy landing. If you can keep both wheels on the ground as, as much as possible, then obviously you have more control. So, but my recommendation is find yourself a good hardtail used at a good price, right? See if you love the sport. And then if you want to upgrade, when you go into a softtail, don't go cheap. You need to spend enough money on the softtail to make sure that you're getting past that kind of introductory level softtail that's not really that great bike. You need to get into something that's pretty decent. And so you're going to spend some money. It's not going to be cheap, but... The beautiful thing about mountain biking is once you have bought the equipment, which means your bike, your helmet, yes, a helmet, you must always wear a helmet. It's crazy to mountain bike without a helmet on. Um, you're going to want to have clipless pedals and some cleats to snap in. These lock your foot onto the pedal, and it makes a world of difference mountain biking. They take some getting used to. It's just part of the skill set. But, man, they give you more power, more control, and they keep your feet where they need to be. You're going to need some riding gloves because you can get blisters just from getting jarred around with the handlebars. But if you come off the bike, you need something to protect your hands because you know you're going to put your hand down and you don't want to leave half your hand on a rock on the side of the trail. So you want to have some, some mountain biking gloves. You're also going to want to have a hydration pack of some sort, something to carry some water and some food with you and some tools, basic tools. I make multi-tools now that can do almost everything the bike needs to do. You're going to need a small portable pump. You're going to need, or maybe a CO2 cartridge, and you're going to need a way to fix a flat tire. So a lot of people go tubeless these days. Tubeless means you're running the wheel without a tube in it. The tire doesn't have a tube, but you have a sealant inside of the tire, which is a bunch of little micro balls of rubber in this, in this slushy mess. And what happens if you get a thorn in your tire, those micro balls fill the hole. So you don't actually flat. 
Instead, you can continue to ride and race and have fun. So tubeless is awesome, but if you get a bad enough damage to a tire that the tubeless won't hold it, then you should have a spare tube with you. So you stick the spare tube in, air it up, you're good to go. So your basic tools, a way to fix a flat, you're going to want some sunscreen and eye protection. You must cover your eyes because when you're riding with people, they're going to throw rocks up in your face. There's going to be dust. You just don't want a bike without eye protection. And you're pretty much ready to go. Then you can take off for hours and explore the woods, explore this beautiful world we live in. It is so much fun. And the beauty of this is, so you had an upfront investment, but you ride for free. It doesn't cost anything to jump on a mountain bike trail or a hiking trail or even a sidewalk for that matter. Get out in the sun and the fresh air and have the time of your life. So the upfront investment pays itself back many, many times over. I think mountain biking can cost much, much less than many other adventure sports just because when you do the sport, you don't have to pay to play. Now, keep in mind that the NICA is a national organization, and there are new mountain bike teams and leagues popping up all over the nation, coast to coast. So if you have a high schooler who might be interested in a healthy, wonderful, positive sport, then check out the NICA and see if there's not a league in your area. So I'm going to go back to another soundbite. I grabbed Coach Burkar for a quick little interview. Let's listen in. So this is Coach Scott Burkar, and just wanted to ask him a couple of questions. So how's Golden doing this year? Uh, we've been doing very well. We have a great group of seniors who are racing varsity. Right on. And varsity riders score very well, and they're finishing very strong. So, yeah, the team has done very well this year. So what's the standing for the team? Uh, we have finished third place overall in the north the last two races of the season and as a season overall we finished fourth as a division one north team so will today's results impact that or is that already set no nope, that's set today is a completely different race this is a one race day whoever finishes first today wins that's awesome so why should high schoolers mountain bike um i think it's a great outlet an alternative sport uh that gets kids outside uh, there are plenty of opportunities to live inside these days and not connect with the world. So I think that um, it's just a really welcoming team environment sport that is co-ed and it's outside doing fun things. Yeah, it's really good. So how big is your team? You've got a great group of kids here. Uh, we have, I think we've had 45 riders registered for some race this year. So we're... 45. So we're typically, this year we were the second largest team in the state behind Boulder. Right on. So what are the leading teams right now? Uh, at the end of the season, Boulder came out number one. Fairview was just behind them. Uh, and it's going to be a close race between those two schools today for state champs. Man, these guys are so fast, especially the varsity seniors when they take off. Man, they're just hauling. Of course, they're going to be racing in college next year, so... What is it like to go that fast? Well, I, you know, I, I have no idea what it is because I can't do that. But I know that it's super exciting to watch uh, how quick the varsity riders are. And we have a couple riders that are competing right up front for the podium on varsity. So it's really fun to see them lay it out there. And uh, I'm expecting a good race today. It was 
exciting to watch the group of, there were 13 seniors last race, varsity riders that rolled through like just a freight train. And um, it's, it's going to be an exciting race today, for sure. What about the girls on the team? I know you have especially one gal that really stepped up this season. Yeah, we were lucky to have a, a, uh, a new girl. She's a sophomore. She transferred from uh, Platte Canyon. And she raced her first race sophomore this year and finished eight minutes ahead of the rest of her pack. So wow. we petitioned her up to varsity, and she will she will be competing for a podium today. There's no question. Oh, that's fantastic. So will you describe the course for us? What's out there today? Uh, it's a really fast, uh, hard pack, a windy track with a lot of whoop de doos and, and fun turns. So... Who this course suits, it's, it's short, high-intensity climbs, steep, uh, and a lot of, not real technical turns, but a lot of turns, a lot of whoop de doo so whoever can roll through it the fastest um, and maintain their momentum through all that should do pretty well. So we're in Eagle, Colorado, and this is the part of the state where the lower elevations are all adobe mounds, and so this whole track is like clay. There's a little soft stuff dusty but for the most part it's pretty hard lots of really fun tight turns it's gonna be a fantastic race so how many kids are here today do you think overall oh gosh what is there there should be about there's there's 50 varsity riders there's 140 jv riders there's 100 freshmen and 100 sophomore that includes um those numbers are for male and female, so I'm not even sure off the top of my head. There's probably 600, 700 riders here. Do you know about how many kids are in the league this year? Uh, I think there were, at some point, close to 900 that had raced, so 900 kids. 900, that is so awesome. And that is for mostly Colorado, but we had a little Wyoming and New Mexico in that, too. That's correct. I think we have uh, Wyoming brings a team from Casper, one from Cheyenne, one from Laramie, and we have a... Uh, team from Taos, New Mexico that races with us this year. Man, they've been driving, putting some miles on. That's awesome. Well, I tell you what, this is one of the best organized, put-together things that, that I've ever been honored to be a part of. So it's really, really cool. And thank you so much for coaching our son, Daniel, and for previously coaching our son, Caleb. And you're doing a fantastic bang-up job. So cool, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Try Paleo Meals to Go freeze-dried backpacking meals. The wholesome gluten-free ingredients follow the Paleo diet, providing you with the lasting energy you require on your adventures. Visit www.paleomealstogo.com and enter TACK25 at checkout to save 25% off your order. Bentgate Mountaineering, located in Golden, Colorado, has been outfitting backcountry travelers for more than 20 years. Fall is here, but the mountains are still open for great hiking and climbing. Time to break out the hiking boots, rock climbing shoes, and tents. Gear materials and designs are more evolved than ever. From the latest ultralight gear to the tried-and-true classics, Bentgate has the premier brands for climbing, hiking, and camping essentials, including Arcteryx, Hilleberg, Nemo, Western Mountaineering, and many more. Need advice on destinations, getting started, or on fine-tuning your quiver of gear? The Bentgate staff are all passionate adventurers who can give you the data and advice you need. Bentgate is also hosting numerous events and speakers this summer, so please check out their events page at bentgate.com for more information as well as to see their full product selection.
All right, now more tips if you are interested in trying mountain biking. I want to talk about some of the basic skills that will get you started on the right pedal, so to speak. First, I want to give credit where credit is due. What I've, what I'm going to share today, I learned from Josh Vote, who is a really highly skilled mountain biker here in Colorado, who's been racing for years and is in the top ten in his division. So. Josh, thanks for the information. I'm going to pass it on to our listeners right now. Number one is body position. Body position is everything with mountain biking. If your body position is awesome, then you're going to develop really good balance. You're not going to spin out tires. You're going to get up difficult terrain more easily. You're going to be able to make your corners. You're going to be able to brake properly, which is very important. It's all about body position. So you get on a road bike and you sit on the seat and you adjust it so it's high enough. You get the maximum stroke. Your body position on that road bike is more about staying out of the wind and making sure you have a good, powerful stroke with your pedals. On a mountain bike, it's not so straightforward. On a mountain bike, you need to keep the weight on that center crank, the weight on the pedals. And so when you're mountain biking off and you're going to be sitting on your seat, you're going to be in the saddle because you're conserving energy. And that's kind of when you're chugging up that long climb or going on the flats. But when you get to something a little bit challenging and technical, you got to get out of the saddle. And the reason is because you want your weight on that lower crank where your center of gravity will help to anchor the bike down low. Now, you also want to be at a a kind of a bent knee position with your body forward on the bike with your elbows at almost a 90-degree angle. And so you're really kind of low. Imagine you're from your butt to the top of your head is almost horizontal with the ground at this point. And your elbows are up and out, and your knees are not too close together. You don't want to pull your knees in and lock your body to the frame. The reason is that you need that bike to roll side to side, forward and back, without your body doing that. So you keep your body balanced straight over the top, and then the bike moves independent from your body. So your body, if you see someone doing this, their body is pretty smooth and level while the bike is going all over the place. And that's what gives you the maximum control and makes it the most fun. Now that takes some stamina, because you know standing on those pedals... At that angle, it takes some strength, but you'll build that strength over time, and that's part of the joy of mountain biking. Okay, so I'm going to have more on tips and tricks about mountain biking and body position and technique and all that stuff in just a little bit, but I wanted to throw in some words from one of the racers that we saw today. My name is Will. I am racing for Boulder High. Boulder is taking it this year. You guys rock. Well, yeah, you know. <laughs> Have you enjoyed the season this year? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah? What do you think about mountain biking? It's awesome. I mean, it's awesome? Come on. <laughs> How could biking not be awesome? How could biking not be awesome? Yeah, it is a really good good sport. So is this your first season or your second? No, or this is my third season. Your third. How'd it turn out for you? So far, so good. I mean, one mechanical... And two falls. That's about as much as I can ask for. <laughs> All right on. Well, you're here at the state championships, and your race is at what time? 12 o'clock. 12, 12 o'clock, 12 so you haven't raced yet. Did you get to pre-ride the course? Yes, I did. 
I'm gonna start like doing it again. <laughs> yesterday or today? When you yesterday. Ride? Yesterday. Mm -hmm. Fun course. Oh yes. So how many laps are you doing today? Just two. Two laps, so a little over 12 miles. Yeah. Right on. Well, so how is it different for girls? I don't think it's as competitive as the boys. I mean, I've been I ride with the same people I rode with last year. They all seem to we all seem to increase our speed at the same rate. So you'll get out on the trail and you start talking about everything, like shoes, weather, or something. I mean, really, you <laughs> during the race, feel that competitive. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's always for any race. It's actually just the top ten or ten for the boys, five for the girls, and then the rest of them are like they're out there for fun. Yeah. Well, it's great that people can have the fun that they have too. Yeah. So how many girls will you have in your? in your heat today, in your wave? I believe 60. 60? Um, that's a pretty good number. Yeah, that's what Kate told me, so I'm just going Wow, to that's going to be a big race for you. Yeah. It's not as big as... Um, so do you think more gals should do the race? Well, yeah, I mean, if you... It's not all about racing, it's more, it's more about, like, just the learning how to work with a team, rely on each other, at the same time being an individual in your own way, and just go out there for fun. It doesn't need, nothing needs to be competitive if you don't want to make it competitive, but... So why did you decide fun. to start mountain biking? My mom said, join this team, because... <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay! Are you glad she said that? Yes. Right on. Cool! Okay, next tip. This is on how to climb. So imagine for a minute that you're getting ready to climb something that's pretty steep and a little bit rough. It's kind of bony. You're up out of the saddle. Your body is bent forward. Your elbows are up and out, right? As you are going along, you can maneuver the bike side to side very, very quickly. And as it, it gets steeper, then you're going to bring your body forward. So you're keeping your weight directly over that center crank at all times. It balances the load on both tires. Now, one thing that I tend to do is pull back on the handlebars too much to try to increase the power of my pedaling. It doesn't really work that well. And Josh showed me, you lower your elbows when you start to slip on the back. And for some reason, that shifts your body position and it locks that back tire in place so it doesn't spin out so easily. So there's a tip for you. If you're going up something, you start to spin, then just lower your elbows. And for whatever reason, it does the magic trick. Your back tire should not spin as much and you should get the traction you need to go right on over it. Time for another sound bite. Now, I keep putting these in here because I want you to hear the enthusiasm that these people have about mountain biking, about the NICA, and about bike racing because it's just so much fun and, and nothing tells it better than, than hearing the enthusiasm and the voices of these people. How are you today? I'm doing great. What is your name and who are you here for? Bridget Bonner. We're here with uh, Little Green Mountain Composites. Green Mountain Composite. Yes. And do you have a student here today? We do. We do. And he's, he's racing sophomore. Racing sophomore. Yep. So did he just start? No, they don't start until 120. Oh, okay, these are the JV. These are the JV, exactly. Okay. Yeah, there's a big, lots of waves going out, and so there's lots of racers and lots of energy. <laughs> so has uh, your son raced then for the last two years? He has. This is his second year. Second year, mm -hmm. and he made it to the state championships, so congratulations. Well, thank you very much. That's fun. Yes, it's very exciting. Does he enjoy racing? He does. He does. He really enjoys the camaraderie of the team, the coach, and, and it's just been a really wonderful experience for him. What do you think about the league overall? 
I think it's been doing wonderful things. It pulls people together. It's a it's a friendly competition. Everybody's kind of pulling for each other, and um, it's just been a really good experience. Oh, that's wonderful. Great. They're very strong, great uh, great support, and uh, it's it's very well run. Oh, I couldn't agree more. That's that's great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Enjoy it and good luck. Yeah, good luck. Now let's think about going down something steep. Just the opposite of going up, you want to keep your body directly over that center crank, so that means that you're pushing forward more. Now you want to keep your elbows bent, no stiff arming, because that's how you end up going over the handlebars. Keep your elbows bent, but you're going back on the bike more. You might even be with your your crotch behind the seat. It's a little bit of a scary position, but once you get used to it, the idea is if it's super, super steep, then straight up and down into that crank might actually be behind the seat. You're actually literally standing out the back of the bike, but that gives you the maximum control for a really steep downhill. At all times, you're just keeping your weight on that center crank, on the pedals, and that will give you maximum traction. Now, let's talk about going down a steep downhill and going off a step or a little lip or a root or a rock. I have the really bad habit of pushing my arms forward as the tire drops because, you know, I I, I feel the bike going down away from me, so you want to extend your arms. And that's not necessarily bad as long as you don't lock out those elbows. What happens is if you lock the elbows, especially if you tap that front brake at the same time, you load up that front shock, your weight shifts forward, and then all of that momentum wants to tumble the bike. It it makes you want to flip over the handlebars. So you don't want to stiff arm it. Instead, you want to be loose and let your elbows flow with it. Let the bike drop, but immediately come back with it again. And one thing that I find can really help is if you just lift the front a little bit as you go over something, then it's less likely to go into a deep forward drop. And you kind of, oh, kind of jump a little bit off of it. And then you you keep the bike a little bit more level or at least parallel to the slope, which is what you want. And joining the race in progress... Crazy fun, steep downhill up on the adobes. S-turn after S-turn after S-turn after S-turn. These guys are hauling. Let's talk about braking. When you brake, then again, your weight wants to go forward. And to get a good, efficient brake, you need to have your weight back. So for an emergency stop, you do put yourself back behind that, that seat again. And you get low. You brake with the both brakes, front and rear at the same time, and the front's going to do the majority of the braking. Obviously, you don't want to lose traction on the front or the rear, but especially not the front. So you're going to increase the braking as you slow without skidding, and by keeping your weight back on the bike, then you will stop on a dime without skidding, which is critical on mountain biking. Sometimes you come up to a drop-off or some train you didn't expect or quickly come up behind another biker. you got to be able to throw on the brakes. And one more aspect of that that I think a lot of people forget about is when you go back behind that seat and you're that far back and you're hitting those brakes, then you actually need to have your heels dropping a little bit because you want that momentum to go straight into the pedals, not push your feet forward and and crush your toes at the end of your shoe. 
So you're going to drop your heels, and that way all of that momentum goes into that crank, just like we said before, and you're going to get the best stopping with the most control. Let's take a minute to hear what one of the dads has to say. How did Jack do this season? I think he did great. And who are you? I'm Jack's father, Dave. Dave, what do you think about this league? I think it's awesome. It's like a good dojo, good karma. Uh, everyone supports each other. It's a lot of fun. Um, I think it's a great league. And this was Jack's first year? It was. He's a freshman. How long has he been mountain biking? He's been mountain biking probably since he was about six. Yeah. Maybe five. And, you know, mainly, you know, we go car camping, you know, and we'll go to Buffalo Creek or Fruit and he'll been riding since then. Cool. Very good. Well, he really gained a lot of speed this season. He did. Vastly improved. He did. He did. I think he was... On his mountain bike, I think he was like a 34 up lookout at the beginning of the season. And I think he ended up around 31 or so, so he got a lot faster. Yeah, that's awesome. He also uh, placed a lot higher as the season progressed in the races as well. So would you recommend families to take on mountain biking as a sport? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I hope I hope I can talk my daughter into it. Um, she's a runner, but I think she'd be a great mountain biker. She's a flyweight. I'm hoping she'll, she'll be... Uh, freshman in two years so we'll see so how long have you been mountain biking i probably started when i moved out here in uh 95 that's probably when i started so so what would that be 20 years <laughs> right on 20 years means that you were kind of on the cusp at the beginning of the sport i think so my first bike was a 35 pound steel hard front hard back Yukon <laughs> giant <laughs> That's the way they and, went. Uh, it was pretty plush, though, with the steel tubing, surprisingly. <laughs> right on. Well, thanks, man. All right. Thank you. The last major tip here is for cornering. Now, again, like we've said this whole time, you want your weight to go down onto the center crank. So how does that translate into good, effective cornering? Well, when you first start riding especially when you're on maybe a 12 or 18 inch single track trail, you're sitting in the saddle and to turn, you're kind of fighting the bike and it feels like the trail's just not wide enough, you know? Usually what the problem there is, it's that your body is glued to the bike. What you need is to get off the saddle again and you need the bike to lean left and right while your body stays straight. The reason for that is because what really turns a bike at any amount of speed above a, a, a walking pace, what really turns a bike is leaning the bike onto the sides of the tires. And that sounds a little bit tricky until you think about it. Get a glass that is tapered so it's narrow at the bottom and wide at the top and roll it on a table. It goes in a circle. Tires have the same general shape. They're bigger diameter in the middle and smaller diameter on the edges. So when you lean it, it automatically turns and it'll turn on a dime without even having to steer the handlebars. That's the best kind of turn. But to do that, you've got to get out of the saddle. You're going to stay pretty much straight over those cranks. You're going to lean the bike between your legs. So what does this mean? You can't lock your knees together. If you lock your knees together or if you're sitting on the saddle, you'll never be able to do it. So you got to get out of the saddle, make some room, lean the bike to the side. Man, it'll turn on a dime. And because you have your weight straight over the cranks again, it puts the maximum amount of traction onto the tires. And so you can roll a pretty soft, pretty sharp corner without skidding out and without giving up a lot of your speed, which, you know, as you become a more efficient mountain biker, 
Every little bit of momentum needs to be conserved because it's hard work, like I said. So if you have good skill and technique, you won't work as hard and you'll be a lot faster. You'll be able to do a lot more. So you don't want to have to break into a corner and slow way the heck down and then try to wobbly steer around the thing and then accelerate back out again, especially on these switchbacks. You need to be able to get around that and conserve as much speed as possible. When you're going up something that's kind of rough, you're going to also find that you don't want to hit the bumps. You know, choose a line where you don't have to go over stuff as much because every time you go over something, then it takes some of your momentum to climb over that hump. So you're looking for smooth little grooves that may only be two inches wide, but that's the line. And the only way you're going to hit those lines is if you're out of the saddle and you're leaning the bike left and right. So that's turning. And I've got another mom here for you. Listen in. So another parent's perspective. So you have two gals that are racing here today, right? I have two racing today, and I have one on the development team for Nederland. So I have three bikers. So the two that are racing here today are racing for Boulder. Now, do they go to Boulder? No, they don't. They don't. But they have been able to ride with Boulder, even though they homeschool. So they homeschool, and that's something I wanted to make a point of here. It's so beautiful that something like this can be open to everybody. Yes. What do you think of the Colorado High School Cycling League? Uh, I can only say positive things about it. It's been a great experience for us. It's been three years now. Three years. Three years. They're very inclusive. They are promoting... Uh, good lifestyles, you know, taking care of the environment, you know, respecting you know, the courses and what the communities have done to build these courses. Oh, yeah. You know, and then I, I, I think the sportsmanship is maybe the number one thing, that it's not about the individual, you know, it's about cheering everybody on. So the last rider that comes across the finish line gets cheered as strongly as the first person. It's a, it's a beautiful atmosphere, and but it's still very, very competitive. Amazing how strong a lot of these riders are. I know, yeah, and well, and you can see the difference on some of the kids that have started younger than the ones that like were riding with their mother. <laughs> and then they come, you know, when they're keens and shorts, and you're like, whoa, <laughs> maybe we ought to get you like a real biking shorts. <laughs> Know, off so what has mountain biking done for your gals? Oh, you know, we let, we ride as a family. So for yeah. us, this is just, you know, it's it's a great excuse to go camping for the weekend. <laughs> and then right they can on. ride. <laughs> so cool. It's been great, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Curtis. <laughs> and that kind of wraps up the basics. You know, we talked about stopping. We talked about climbing. We talked about going down steep stuff. We talked about turning, and so I guess there's one more in here, and that might be seat position. Seat position is kind of variable, and people go back and forth. You'll find that uh, some of the cross-country bikes these days, or the true mountain bikes these days, have what they call a dropper post on the seat. So what that means is the seat is spring-loaded, and you have a, a button on the handlebars, so you can release the seat and let it drop down into the frame. You can press the button again, and the spring will shove it right back up where you want it. The reason for that is kind of obvious, if you think. When your seat is at the height, so when your leg is at the bottom of the pedal stroke, your knee isn't straight, but it's almost straight. That gives you the maximum power for cranking those pedals. It's the most natural position, feels the best, and it's the right way to ride on the road. It's the right way to ride 
when you are, you know, on the trail as well. But sometimes when you get into something that's really technical, especially a downhill, the seat starts to pop up and hit you in the romp, or you can't quite lean the bike enough because the seat bumps against your thigh. So if you have a dropper seat, you can let it drop. It gets out of your way. You can do what you need to do there. And then as soon as you get to the flats again, pop the seat right back up. I don't have a dropper seat. And in a way, I'm glad. I know it'd be really useful, but I put the seat pretty darn close to my most efficient pedal. And then I try to move my body around to get around that seat and the technical stuff, which I think forces me to be a little bit better rider. At least that's my theory. I will develop better skills eventually by having to work around that seat. But, man, if you can get that dropper post, it's a luxury. It's awesome. So just think about seat height in terms of the perfect balance between the most powerful pedal stroke and keeping the seat out of the way enough so that you can enjoy a nice, crazy, curvy, bony downhill. Okay, now, like I said, most of the information that I just shared with you, I learned from Josh Vogt, and I've been practicing this stuff all summer, and it is making my riding much, much better. But I'm not the expert biker, you know. I'm solid intermediate. That would be about as good as I could go. Those of you who know biking inside and out, give us some tips. Um, leave some uh, comments on our website. You can email us. And Josh, if you're listening to this and you want to add to this or tell me that I messed up somewhere, please do, and I'll make a correction on a future show. Please, if you're an expert mountain biker, throw some advice our direction so that we can all benefit. Max Overhide. So now we're at the finish line. The front runners for the first wave have finished. The front runners for the second wave are just about to come through. Good finish. So tell us about the race. What happened? It was really fun. Um, I was stuck behind people at the beginning because I guess I had a few other tricks that were a little faster. So then we did that and I went up the hill and down the hill. So the second lap, people started passing me a little bit on the last half of it. <laughs> really dusty course today. I mean, you are caked. <laughs> How was the downhill? So friends, there you have it. That is what the NICA National Interscholastic Cycling Association and the Colorado High School Cycling League are all about. Special thanks go to all of the volunteers, to all of the people that contribute so much to make this a success. Well done. Great job. Kate Rao, you rock. We really appreciate it. By the way, Kate was interviewed in a previous podcast. So if you go to our site, underneath the main banner, but above the most recent show, will be the Adventure Sports Podcast episode categories. Click there. You'll be able to see all of the various episodes that we've done categorized by sport, so you can find what you really want to hear. Hit Control-F for Find and type in Kate Rao you'll find her previous episode. If you want to hear more about mountain biking and about the Colorado High School Cycling League, then you can get that information there. And while you're there, if you're looking for some good reading or some other gear, 
the ASP Bookshelf, ASP Adventure Sports Podcast, of course. ASP Bookshelf link is on the right. If you go there and you download any of the books that all the various authors that we have interviewed have uh, put together, then we get a tiny little kickback from Amazon. So buy a book off of the ASP Bookshelf. Thanks for that. Hey, if you love the show, tell your friends. If you don't love the show, tell us. We'll make it better. Thank you very much for listening today. And until the next show, get out there and have some fun. Try a mountain bike out for size. It's a ton of fun. You have heard all the hype around paleo, low-carb, organics, diet powders, and the lot. How does one sort out what really works? Good news. Gary Collins has done the homework for you. Regain and maintain your health and live that life of vitality. Learn more at primalpowermethod.com.